Hello and welcome back to Two Cents Worth. Second episode, I have my friend here, uh, Mr. Matt Chastain. He's uh, in the um, the Bears Den studio. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about Matt. I've known this guy since uh, 2000, so 18 years. I moved in Charlotte in 99, and uh, him and I transferred to the same high school in the uh, year 2000, and been uh, best friends since. I was the best man in his wedding, and he was in my wedding, and wife and kids uh roughly around the same age and hang out wives are uh did not know each other until me and matt uh introduced them and they're now their friends obviously outside of uh, matt and i which is nice but um a little bit about matt matt played like i said high school with me we played baseball together and then he went on to elon division one played there four years We'll get into that a little bit, and then uh, some interesting moments around his athletic career that kind of defined him and things that he learned in that, and uh, married 10 years. Two kids, lives here in Charlotte with us uh, as well, so we will um, we'll dive into that. Matt, is there anything I missed there? No, that sounds about right, man. You got pretty much all of it. Okay. Uh, so we're going to dive right into... Some notable moments in your athletic career. We talked a little bit about it today. Matt's been over the house for a while. Uh, been having some beers, watching some football, and now we got the baseball game on in the background. But um, tell me some defining moments that you remember in your athletic career. It can be as a kid or whatever. It doesn't have to be around baseball. Just things that you've experienced in your sports career that really you remember that you know transcend into where you are today. Yeah, so there's a few things that come to mind for me. Um, most of them come up in high school. I was just a, a regular player for a long time. Um, played third base, shortstop. I was a pitcher. Didn't throw necessarily hard or anything. And then all of a sudden, uh, we take our school trip down to Dominican Republic one year. My elbow starts hurting one game. I uh, don't start that game. And then two days later, all of a sudden, my arm feels better and... I'm throwing four to five mile an hour faster on my fastball. So that's one definitely big thing that shows up. Just a uh, a random thing that happens that all of a sudden you get lucky enough to be blessed with throwing 90, 92. I mean, it's just kind of crazy how that stuff yeah, happens. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like your elbow hurts and then all of a sudden you throw harder. Right? My elbow hurts and I can't throw a baseball, but yeah, I like you said, you, you you know, bless in a different way. So, oh, well, absolutely. I mean, the elbow pain didn't actually go away after that. It continued throughout my whole my whole career, high school and college. So, the elbow pain continued, but the the velocity stayed, which was good. Um, a couple other things that come to mind is pitching in college. I mean, there's nothing like having the ball on like a Friday or Saturday night, knowing the whole team is kind of uh, depending on you to shut everybody down, which is really really a cool feeling. Um, at Elon, my, uh, I think it was either sophomore or junior year, we started having lights at the field, which was really cool. We started having Friday night and Saturday night games and there was the, uh, the left field stadium of people. Um, they'd have a couch and a keg in the couch and they would be getting rowdy and just giving it to the left field. Uh, it was really, really fun. We had a lot of good times out there, um, playing at Elon I know they kind of tamed it down a lot since then, um, but when we were there in uh, circa 2003 to 2006, we had a lot of fun. So let's talk about Elon for a second, right? Because so you're talking Division One, but you're not talking Big Division One, right? So I think when when people think of college athletics, right, and you look at football today, right, it's you know you have your big universities, the big conferences, and then you have your kind of mid tier. Um, what do they call them in basketball? What are they, the mid mid majors? Mid majors, right? And I, I think that's where you guys were at. And so you're a good team, right? And I think you had you obviously have some good players, and we can get into that a little bit further. But you know, so you're a mid major, you're playing at a decent conference, and you make regions, regionals, right? So you go into and correct me if I'm wrong, Clemson, right? Is that where yeah, you play? Our regionals? senior year, we went to Clemson. Okay, so you're you're talking about. And this is me talking out of it. I'm Division Two, so you know I'm not going to be going into a Clemson. You know our big our big programs were like Tampa University or University of Tampa. You know, so it's a different animal. Talk to me about because I know you pitched in at, at Clemson against them, Mississippi State. Miss, okay, well, see another huge yeah. program, right? You know, I have Will Clark and um, Raphael. Who who played there? 
Who's the guy that played for the Orioles? First baseman. You're not talking about Rafael Palmeiro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Mississippi okay. State guy. Yeah, so. gotcha. So, talk to me about pitching at Clemson. Your mid-major school. You're seated third out of four. No, so the time we were seniors, we were actually really good. Uh, we finished the year 45 and 10. Um, we ended up being the two seed going into Clemson. So um, we had a lot of confidence going in. We were really excited about being there. Um, I started the first game against Mississippi State. We ended up winning. I think it was five to three, which was which was really cool. It was the first uh, regional win for our for Elon in the Division One school. Uh, the year before, first regional win ever. First regional win ever. So the year before, did you get the win? No, I didn't. No, you got the no decision. So I, uh, I, I think I threw like five and a third, five and two third, came out with the game tied. Um, I got pulled, and then uh, the reliever gave up one or two runs of the runs that I had on base. So I didn't get quite get the win, which, which is fine. We now, still got the win as a team. Did that reliever get the win? He did. See, so he that's, sure did. that's what I used to do a lot in college, <laughs> and my coach used to call me the snake because they'd, they'd bring me in. And it'd either be tied or we'd be up one. I give up one or two runs and we come back and win while I'd still be pitching That's and right. I get the win. Yeah. You, you blew the hole, but you still got the win. Yeah, I was good enough to <laughs> hold it close enough to where we could get back into it and then win it and I get the win. So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, like like I was saying, um, the year before I got to Elon, they had their first actual regional make. And then uh, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, we were decent, but we weren't good enough to make a regional. Then my senior year, we were really good. So we we were really excited to be there. So me and Matt were talking beforehand as well. And again, like I said, I've known this guy for 18 years, best friends, and learned through my son who was messing around with the equipment before we started recording. Matt and I share a favorite color of green. And at the same time, when I'm asking him if he got the win in the regionals, I, I didn't even know that, but I knew that they went there. He pitched against a team and, and didn't know it was Mississippi state. Obviously it's been a while for us. We've, we've uh, been out of college now. 10 Almost plus years. 15 years. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Yeah. It's 15 years from then. So, um, you know, that's, that's one thing that, you know, we were joking about. We can still learn about each other, even though we've known each other for so long. Um, what else from anything in your, again, we're talking athletic career. It could be anything. You know, we talked about college and, and high school, and, and I, I kind of want to go back to high school. Like I want to talk about just the team that we had in general, and, and next week we're going to have um, uh, on the show another one of our ex-teammates who, who made it all the way to the pros for a couple of years. But I want to talk about, you know, what else kind of made you into the athlete or even just the person you are today what any any moments that kind of just you know molded who Matt Chastain is from an athletic perspective so molded me into the person I am today I mean I'm not sure if that came from my athletic career I think a lot of that came from just my parents in general um honestly as an athletic person I was very very lazy Uh, I was just I was just blessed with actually being fairly athletic I mean I was five, ten and a half, maybe, with a thirty-four inch standing vertical, which is pretty good for a for a little white dude. Um, so, and I could throw anywhere from ninety to ninety-four. I mean, I was just blessed for the most part. Um, but going back to high school, on kind of the things that stand out to me is is win a state championship again our uh, our senior year. I think we went something like thirty and four or something like 30 that. Thirty and five. Thirty and five, something yeah. ridiculous like that. We had like seven or eight guys on the team go to Division One, and the rest of them go Division Two or Division Three. It was just we had a ridiculous team being in a private school in Charlotte. Yeah, so that senior year we were thirty and five, won the state championship. We finished number one in the Charlotte Observer rankings. And uh, again, we were talking about it earlier. If you look at our even starting nine catcher. Division two, third baseman, Division one, got drafted to go to the pros, made it a couple years in the minors. Shortstop, Division one, drafted a couple years in the minors. Second baseman, free agent, Division one, goes into all the way up to AAA. First baseman, Division three, our left fielder, Division one. I played center, Division Two, and then our right fielder, Division one, made it to the pros, played for the Red Sox for a couple years, and, and bounced around from a different other couple teams. And there was guys on the bench that were division one, division two athletes. Um, 
like you said, a small private school. I think our graduating class was like 93 students. So, I mean, there was very a, small. Yeah, it, it's in Charlotte. That's a, you know, I think my kids preschool had 93 kids graduate from it. You know, like it, it's just insane to think about 93 students in your senior class and we're beating four a public schools. Um, just the talent that we had and the, and the school always has always had talent and, and you know, that it's been going on for a long time because I remember, we transferred in our junior years and lost in the semis. The semis, yeah. yeah. And then, but the year before, they had won the state championship. We won the state championship our senior year. Won it again afterwards. And it just it it's just gone on for for a long time. So, you know, again, like you said, those are some of the same moments that I remember. I remember just from the state championship game. It was, um. I remember like four or five games, maybe like even in college, I don't remember a lot of like games that really stood out, but you know, the state championship, I think you kind of remember, uh, you pitched, we won four to two and it was, I felt like we had full control of the game the whole time, but it was still just kind of a close game. We never really got really far ahead on it, but, um, I just remember making the last catch of the game and then just other moments like, you know, you broke a kid's arm yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, foul ball broke the umpire's arm so the the breaking of the kid's arm there were uh two outs two strikes in the seventh inning and in high school you play seven innings so it's the bottom of the seventh two outs two strikes i'm trying to strike a guy out with a fastball i just try to throw it as hard as i can and it uh gets away from me a little bit hits the dude in the back forearm so that was fun yeah so Yeah, so I mean, you know, we won it and it was great and it was it, it, it's funny though that those, you know, that's some of the stuff that you remember as well. So, let's talk about post college. Both of us obviously have moved on. Our our dream as a child to now of, you know, making it pro is gone. You know, um where are you at now athletically? Like what is what are some of the things that you like to do to kind of keep yourself busy and in shape? So there was a long time where I uh, I played basketball in the mornings at the YMCA, um, and then all of a sudden I tear my ACL at six o'clock in the morning, playing a random basketball game at the YMCA. So that's fun. Um, so now I do not participate in basketball anymore. Uh, it's really just uh, some cardio, some lifting, and then uh, softball. So from a working out perspective. What is it that drives you for working out? Is it just staying in shape, trying to maintain something, or do you have a specific goal? So there's a few things that really drive me. I mean, I've always had a little bit of a high cholesterol, high blood pressure type of thing. So uh, staying in shape is really good for my health, which is really good. Um, also, uh, I mean, it's totally just me. Is I have a sensitivity when I go to the beach. I don't want to look terrible. So... I just want to feel like I'm in a little bit of shape, so that drives me a lot too. Um, anytime I have a trip somewhere where I'm going to be on a beach, I try to work out anywhere from five to six months beforehand, and uh, and just try to get in a little bit of shape so I can I can feel comfortable uh, while I'm sitting there on the beach with everybody else. So you don't want a full dad bod; you want like a moderate dad bod. Yeah, I want I want the I want the dad bod for six months of the year, and then okay. the other six months of the year I want to be like in decent shape. So. Right. So you're working out. What are you working out? Mornings or afternoons? So I tried the uh, the morning workout thing. Like you, I mean, we used to work out in the morning together uh, a long time ago. Um, I know you work out even earlier now, four thirty in the morning, which is absolutely insane. Um, but luckily enough, I get off of work at like three thirty in the afternoon, so I go straight to the gym after that. Get okay. a uh, thirty to an hour workout in uh, four to five times a week, which is is where I get my stuff in. Yeah. So listen. I- if I could work out in the afternoons, I certainly would. But, you know, 4.30, and it, like you said, it gets earlier and earlier. I remember using I have to wake up at 6 and be like, oh, my God, this is, this is fucking early. Now I wake up at 4 and go and work out. And it's basically because it's the only time I can work out until before my kids wake up. And then by the time they're going to bed, I'm not going to the gym. I'm not going to the gym at 8.30. I'm going to bed at 8.30. Uh, nine o'clock. Well, that's so. only because you have to wake up at four. It's because I wake up at f- <laughs> not four. I wake up at four. Four of my. That's yeah, I wake worse. up before basically half of uh, the country. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about when you're working out. I want to know, 
and I think it's always interesting to, to know what kind of motivates people when they work out, like what gets them through that workout. So what do you listen to when you're working out? What's on your playlist right now? So there's a lot of different things on my playlist. I've actually changed it up a lot recently, trying to find something, um, to get, keep me motivated for the most part. Um, I've actually started running again, which if anybody knows me, I, I'm not a runner. How many knee surgeries? I've had two knee surgeries, um, one complete ACL redo. And then, uh, the other knee, the ACL was torn, but it was, uh, by the time I had surgery on it, was held together by scar tissue, so it was just cleaned up in there. So uh, two bad knees in there, so running isn't exactly my forte. Um, but going back into it, I've tried to find some music that will keep me pumped up. And it's some type of hip-hop run-play mix thing that I've been doing um, that's pretty good for running. Um, the other music I listen to is also that but it's also some southern rock um trying to think of the name who, of who right would be now. a hip-hop artist that would pop up on that playlist oh geez they're all the new people that i don't even know their names like it's all so like all the mumble rappers yeah exactly oh, the geez. people that when we were growing up we had no idea okay, who they yeah. were so l- let's talk about you running it you know and if anybody follows me on instagram you'll see the picture of matt doubled over that was this <laughs> summer at the beach before uh, I started running Before again. he did start running, but it, it was more so of a, a statement by me that I am in better shape than him and, and will be um, as long as we're, we're alive because that's my motivation is that's to be not better true. than Matt. That's not true. Yep, it's true. I'm going to catch up to him. Not going to happen. Uh, so, all right, so then you said Southern Rock, like yeah, so, Stapleton. So I've actually found a, or... a new group that I'm a huge fan of. His name is Whiskey Myers. Okay. That group is it's really good. They're like seven or eight really, really good songs, and they get me pumped up. Okay. All right. So we've, we've gone into the working out. We've we've established kind of the some of the things that you've worked through through athletically, um, and we have the World Series on here. So – we talked about it earlier this week. I got your predictions. I gave my predictions last week. I said Red Sox in six, possibly five. Um, you told me Dodgers in six. Now that we're a couple of games in, do you want to adjust that? Or do you you going to stand by it and you really think that the Dodgers can work their way back through this thing? No, I, I think the Dodgers can still win. Um, I just think it, it'll probably have to be seven now. I don't think they can win four straight um, even in game one, they played really, really well. They just had a two huge mistakes that cost him three or four runs throughout the game. So, yeah, I, th- I still think Dodgers are going to win it. Um, I think it really comes down to their manager and p- playing their best players. I mean, when you go two games without playing your top four home run hitters, it's it's really, really tough to win. So. And you you said it, so I'll just call it out. Obviously, this is going to come out Sunday night or Monday morning when you get to listen to it or even throughout the week. So we are in game four. We're we're watching it right now on Saturday night. So we just came out of the 18-inning game, which which I did not watch all of. I watched about four to five innings of, and thank God, because I was not going to stay up till 3.30 in the morning. I got to the bottom of the seventh. Okay, all right, so that's <laughs> that's better. So Matt mentioned, you know, if the, the Dodgers are not going to win, you know, three, four straight, um, or four straight because they won last night. Uh, so that he's saying seven. So you mentioned it too, and, and I think it's um, it's always fun to kind of be that that coach that's on the couch of, you know, what... It's what, my favorite thing. Okay, I, um, I know it is. <laughs> uh, so you, you think about it, and you look at what the Dodgers have done and what the Red Sox have done. So you're sitting here going, if you're looking at both managers, you feel Cora right now through three games has made just better decisions overall. Yeah, absolutely. And even in even in last night's game, I mean, I didn't again, I didn't watch the whole thing through the 18 innings, but I, I looked at the bot score this morning and he used his one of his starters to go 6 innings to save his his bullpen, which is huge. I mean, if you can save your bullpen in a World Series matchup, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things you can do. So, saving 6 innings from your bullpen is absolutely incredible. Yeah. E- even if you lose. I mean, it's still just huge for that team for tonight's game and even tomorrow's game yeah especially coming off a seven hour game right they basically they played two games it's 18 innings they played two games yesterday that counted for one so to have some pitching left is um extremely important because 
the way that both of these teams are. They're very deep. They have good starters from uh, an actual, you know, everyday player as well as a bench. So, um, interesting to 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 look at this and see uh where we are inside of this world series so i'm gonna i'm gonna dive outside of that i'm gonna stick though to uh, go ahead one quick thing about the world series is that i'm very interested in is the two different strategies that both these teams are taking into the world series with the dodgers doing the new analytics of home runs and strikeouts and boston is the traditional team and honestly, after what I've seen through three games is probably the better team. I'm still picking the Dodgers, sticking with my team. But, I mean, they their lineup is they don't strike out. They put the ball in play. They make – you make mistakes, and that is really, really tough to beat. I mean, your Dodgers are – and he's not a Dodger fan, so we'll throw no, that out there. He's Braves all the way. Fan. Yeah, and the Dodgers, you know, Crushed clean, those, clean those guys up out of that ballpark quickly. Uh, not that I can say anything. I'm a Yankee fan. The Red Sox, you know, handled us pretty well. Crushed you. We still won 100 games. <laughs> um, but the Dodgers are very similar to the Yankees. So you look at the way that they've they've managed their season, and 92 wins, I believe, is what they ended up with. 91, 91, something like that, right for the regular season. But their their way of playing baseball, which is very sh- different than what the NL usually does, it was home runs. It was power baseball, and you don't see that in the National League. So what I liked about this matchup going into the whole World Series was that you're dealing with an American League team that most American League teams, especially this one that's won 108 games, 109 games in the season, that you're going to have power. That's what the American League does, right? They have power, and they have decent pitching to back it up, whereas the NL is more strategic, right, because you have to have that pitcher hit every game you have to have a good bullpen. You have to have good strategy because you're basically throwing eight guys out there to hit every every chance that you get, not nine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for these two teams, you look at it kind of differently. Like the Dodgers have basically an American League team that plays in the NL. Which, which again, that takes me back to the point I made earlier is – they are playing the analytics and still they decided to keep their four best home run hitters out of the lineup for two straight games, which is why I think Alex Cora is doing a way better job than Dave Roberts. So someone compared him. I was listening to it uh, the other day. Someone compared Cora to Belichick already already. That's crazy. I mean, Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it is crazy, but I, again, you you think about it. I, I think it's just more so around like the mindset and the strategy and the composure, and that everybody's going one way and he's going the other right. way kind of I, thing. I think that's just more so like what they were looking at. But it, I thought it was very interesting, and even the person that like I, I think it was on uh, the herd. I think it was Colin. Colin wasn't saying it was Belichick. Big surprise. It, it, whoever he brought on there said it was. He thought Cora was more so like Belichick and. I, I couldn't. I, great. I think that's fantastic, but no. Uh, no, but I mean, the more since you say that, I think about it a little bit. And like, I understand where it's coming from is like everybody is going one direction in the MLB. And then Alex Cora with his lineups and everything he's doing is going the complete opposite, which is kind of where Belichick started. Is like yeah. he is 10 steps ahead above everybody when it comes to NFL offenses and even defenses at this point. Yep. I agree. I, I, I hope, I hope for Major League Baseball, and for the fans that this is actually a good series. Again, I, I mentioned it, I believe last week, and I'll, and I'll say it again. I hate when I watch the playoffs and your NLDS or your ALC or NLCS and your ALCS are better series than your World Series because it takes away a lot of, you know, what, what's great about. October baseball, which is you want to watch through the World Series. I never want to see a sweep. I hate that. It's boring. It's not exciting. I want to see two teams from two different leagues, which I think is what also makes baseball, and for those of you that might not be baseball fans, what makes baseball so interesting around the strategy of it is that you have two leagues inside of one larger league that play basically two different styles of the same sport. Um. So hopefully it's a good, good series. I hope that we uh, we get to see at least six, seven games. Would be great. 
but um, we, we want to, both of us want to see a good series. So let's go on to, we have a list of some of the items we wanted to uh, talk about. And this past week, the uh, NCAA basketball poll came out. The AP poll came out. Matt and I are both Duke basketball fans, Duke Carolina fans. You can, you know, suck it. I don't care. <laughs> um, I don't care where I grew up, but even growing up in Rhode Island, the Duke was always on on a Saturday. That's what I grew up watching, so that's what I follow. So when I moved down here, it just made it even sweeter that I was closer to, to Duke University and got to see them uh, win and win some national championships. So the top 25 came out, and we were talking about it again earlier. And Duke, right now, number four. Kansas, number one. Kentucky, two. Gonzaga, three. I can't believe Gonzaga is three. That's crazy to me. I'm surprised about Kansas, too, because Kansas... They lost a lot of guys. Kansas lost a lot of guys. They're a good team, but Bill Self never, preseason-wise, never puts himself in a position where his team is considered the number one team in the country, as far as I can remember, but... No, I completely agree. I mean, the Big 12 basketball, I mean, it's usually really good, but somehow Kansas still, what is it, like 12 or 13 years in a row they've won the Big 12 conferences? It's amazing what he's done out there. But I, I just don't think they see the the type of competition that everybody else sees. Uh, I would agree. I think, I mean, who who's great out there in the Big 12? Texas Tech, decent teams every once in a while. Shaka at Texas. He still hasn't come into his own still yet. Still hasn't really come into anything. Kansas State will always put out something that's competitive uh iowa state the last couple years have been decent you know thomas is listening i haven't mentioned west virginia (laughs) because again i think they're under they underperform all the time they're a gimmicky team as well they are press and if they can't they can't score off the press then they're not going to win gimmicky or or if they can't score then they can't press then they can't win so uh, that's that's for you thomas i (laughs) just letting that out there um but if you look at it again, and you know us being here in the um, in the southeast and and ACC fans in general, um, the ACC strong in the preseason. Again, I, I can't I can't go against what I see in the ACC as as not saying that they are the best conference in basketball, and and we have friends that. You know, the old Big East would would always run with the ACC in competition. You know, the SEC is never a basketball division. That's just a conference. That's just what they do for football. Uh, Big 12, yes. Big 10, kind of. But the ACC just always at the top with the old, old Big East. But now the Big East is broken up for the last couple of years. I'm going to read these off. Duke, third. Virginia, five. Carolina seven. Can Virginia win in the tournament? That was the question. I mean, they went thirty-one and three. They are the first team to ever lose to a sixteen. Exactly. So, so I mean, top ten. You got Duke, Virginia, Carolina. You got three teams in the ACC. And then you got Syracuse at fourteen, Florida State at fifteen, Virginia Tech at seventeen, Clemson at twenty-three. So what is that? I, I named three. That's a lot. Four, I didn't five, realize there were that six, many teams. Seven out of how many? How many is There's in the sixteen? ACC? I think now. Okay, right? so almost half of the teams preseason ranked. I. It's hard to argue that that's not the best conference in college basketball. The t- the top half of the conference is absolutely best. I mean, the bottom of the conference might be really really bad, uh, but the competition you have at the top, I don't think there's anybody that can match that. Uh, I mean, if you look at, you know, we mentioned Kansas in the Big 12. Kansas is one, and then Kansas State at 11, West Virginia at 13, and then that's it. Uh, Nebraska at 20. Oh, no, Nebraska's Nebraska's in the Big 10. 10 Big 10. So three teams in the Big 12. You know, ACC, top to bottom, right now, best. Best conference in in college basketball. Absolutely, and, and I'd love to hear any anyone else's opinions on that. But uh, it, it'd be tough to argue that there's any other conference better than the ACC, top to bottom. Um, and then, of course, we hope that Duke and the USA Today has them as three. But when I looked on ESPN earlier today, they said four. So yeah, that's what I saw. Three as or well. four, it doesn't matter. The first game though, they open up against Kentucky, so that's going to be right out the gates. 
and we were looking at the roster earlier, it, you know, you're going to go again, you're talking freshmen, you're talking one and dones. We can, we can get into it if we need to, but uh, it's just Shostevsky doing what he needs to do to be competitive. Uh, and again, Kentucky, uh, Calamari, same thing. Calipari, Calipari, not Calamari. Jesus. You're good. Yeah. Uh, Calipari, same thing, right? He He's a one-and-done type of coach. He just gets guys, and you said it earlier, he just gets guys that they think they're one-and-done, they aren't, and they get to stay their su- sophomore or junior year, and that's what makes them better. Exactly. So I think this year they might actually be pretty good. From what I from what I remember, last year they didn't have a, a whole bunch of guys drafted, which kind of makes me – I was going to take it off script a little bit and ask you what you thought of the uh, the new one-and-done policy that's coming out for the G League where they can actually offer guys uh, money. I, th- I don't know the guy's name, but he's getting a million dollars to be a – what is it? a um, To play in the G League and basically work for Adidas. Um, it's just crazy. I wonder how many people are actually going to do that now. I think – in all honesty, when I think of college athletics and, and me being a former college athlete, you being a former college athlete, look, the minute I left high school and went to where I where I went to college, I knew, you know, the the prospects of me going pro were very slim. So then it was, okay, do this. It's fun. It's competitive. You want to keep that competitive nature, but you need to focus on your academics and where you're going to move to next, you know, when you think about career. Look, Everybody I, has different opinions of that, by the way. I know they do. I know they do. And and to me, I think, what's the point of sending a kid to college for a year? There's absolutely none. What are you going to get out of it, right? Like, we have friends that, baseball, more often than not, but baseball, that you have to stay three years in college. If you go to college, you have to stay three years. And same with football, too. Same with football, right? And I have we have friends, both of us, share this friend, that even after their junior year, it was basically... I'm good enough that I know I'm going to go pro, so I'm seriously not even working towards an education right now. I'm just trying to get through the next couple semesters and stay eligible. Like that was their mentality. So even at that at that stage, dude, one and done. Give me a break. Just let them go. And I think I think the the what the NBA struggles at and where they're I think where they're what they're trying to address now is in at least. Major League Baseball, you have a minor league system. In hockey, you have a minor league system. In football, you 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 have to go to college. You have to get bigger. You have to get stronger. You go out of high school into co- into pro football. You're, you're gonna crushed. get you, your body is not fully developed, right? But in the NBA, they did not up until what, two years ago. I mean, they had the D League, but it was never really competitive, and it wasn't really thought up as a as a uh, minor league system until now this g league kind of revamped itself so the nba forced you to go to college and it still is there's still the 18 year old um level so if you're 17 going into college you cannot go into the g league you have to be 18 still so there still is the age but you can go to europe right like the ball you can always go to europe right but you're but again you're risking a lot going to europe so I, I completely agree with you. I think that the the rule is is not not good for the NBA or college. I think it hurts college more than the NBA um, because being a Duke fan, the last five six years, like you can't get attached to anybody. There's only a few guys that are are really good that stay. Um, and I know I'm going to mention Grayson Allen, and everybody hates Grayson Allen. That is not a Duke fan. I don't care. We can talk about JJ Reddick. Everybody <laughs> hated him, and he's still still in the league. That's true, but he couldn't leave as early as he wanted to. Right. Um, but all these guys, they leave right away. You can't. You can't. It's harder to be a college fan now than it used to be, because you're learning new people every single year for for certain teams. Right. For the upper epsilon teams. For your top 10 teams, right? And, and and some of them you can take out of that. Like, I look at the top 10. Gonzaga and a Villanova, those those teams are still recruiting guys that are going to be two to three to four-year players there. Uh, but they're becoming the anomaly. Well, but Gonzaga did do the Zach Collins guy. He was a one-year guy, so... So even those even those small program smaller programs are starting to to get those one and dones. I mean, it's it's not as much based on your preseason 
ranking anymore for a player as what you actually do while you're in college. Yeah. It's it's your skill set and what you actually figure out while you're there. So um, going to college is still a benefit for a lot of people. I think the guys that do end up doing the uh, the G League, they will probably end up getting drafted later than the guys that are in college because the guys in college have another option. They can go back to college. The other guys, they have no option. They can go to the G League and make forty thousand dollars a year. No, I thought it was one hundred twenty-five. The G League? Yeah, I think it wasn't it one hundred twenty-five thousand. One hundred twenty-five thousand. He'll pay these guys to go and play. No, so that's the first year though. So I'm okay. saying, right, I'm so saying, after, after, I'm saying, if right. they don't get drafted, or if like a second rounder or something, like they're not going to get that kind of money. They're they're still going to be where they are. So there's a there's a big risk doing the G League. Granted, I mean, the, the first guy that's doing it is getting a million dollars. Yeah. But you can't give everybody that's going to do it a million dollars. You're going to lose money if you do stuff like that. No, and you're going to have guys that are going to flop, right? Like, again, you think about the NBA. They have two rounds. And basically, if you get drafted in the second round, you're ba- you're almost just guaranteeing yourself you're just going to go to the G League because an NBA roster is, what, 12 guys? Something like Something that, Something like yeah. that, right? So <laughs> what are the odds of two to three guys leaving a roster every single year or retiring. They're slim, especially in the NBA. So if you're not drafted in the first round, you're facing an uphill battle a lot of the times. Uh, so the basketball season starts in two weeks, I want to say. I think that's right. I think I saw, it was um, beginning mid-November for the Duke schedule. Yeah, Duke from what was I saw. the sixth against Kentucky. So it's starting in a week plus um, – which, again, I mentioned it last week. All of the sports that are on right now, whether it's you know major league sports or even just college sports, and, and I was reading a stat today. Since the Dodgers won on Friday, on Sunday, it'll be the first time in L.A. sports history, or even in sports history, that all four major league sports will be playing at the same time. So you have the Dodgers playing. You have, I believe, the Clippers are playing at home, the Kings, the hockey team are playing at home, and then the Rams are playing at home. So the four major league sports are all playing at home, and it says all within five miles of each other. So if you live in L.A., you got a busy sports day uh, on Sunday. Uh, but just a crazy time of year, a lot of stuff going on from a sports perspective, M- NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, yeah, college football, college basketball now starting up so Good golly yeah so let's talk about nfl so again you and i panther fans the cardiac cats um uh, it's it, we'll, we'll get into what it's like being a being a fan but let's talk about ray caruth so again big news in the charlotte world i don't know how much anybody else gets this because of it just happening here um 18 years ago 19 years ago the Ray Caruth? Yeah, Ray Caruth. Yeah, yeah it was at least 18, because I think uh, his son's 18 years old. Yeah, now. so when I first moved here in 99, I remember walking outside my parents' front porch and helicopters flying around. And unbeknownst to us, Ray Caruth lived in the neighborhood right next to us. And it was right when, um, unfortunately, his girlfriend was killed and the, the unborn child that uh, she was carrying. And, and he's now 18, 19 years old. And Caruth went to jail for basically plotting her murder. He was released this past week. Um, again, like I said, big news in Charlotte. Don't know what it's like across the country. Uh, but you, you, do you remember anything from that? I mean, honestly, I I remember reading a little bit of stories about it. I Honestly, until I guess it was earlier this year, I didn't realize it actually happened on Ray Road. Like, I had no Ray idea Road. where it actually happened. Um, I just remember... There was a panther that was was going to jail for um, for supposedly conspiring to murder his his girlfriend that was carrying his child. So honestly, I really don't remember a lot about it. I just remember it was a uh, it was a very very sad time for the Carolina Panthers that they had something to deal with like that. Yeah, I mean at it, that point we were only a team five years, four years. So the other day we celebrated 25 years. So yeah, six years we were yeah. we were a team. Um, but yeah, I, I I remember it just because moving here, I grew up in a small town in Rhode Island, so you didn't have high profile 
athletes around. You didn't have, you know, people that were popular and in, in pop culture around. And, and I come out my parents' front door and there's helicopters flying around. You turn on the TV and they're looking for a, a Panther football player. That's just not something you would see in Rhode Island um, where I grew up. So I, I do remember that. And then obviously riding on Ray Road so, thousands and thousands of times. Where did it happen on Ray Road exactly? Right do you remember Calvary Church. Oh wow! Like so where we were, that light is. So we were almost on that road earlier today. Yeah, I was on that road earlier today. So that where that light is, where Trader Joe's is now. Oh, it was right by Trader yeah, Joe's. Okay. Oh wow! Right yeah, was, so like you go, you go on this well. road here in Charlotte on Ray Road, and it, and it happened really close. And Charlotte's a sleepy little town. We might be this big city, but we are also a very small city to where everybody kind of knows each other and there's a lot of transplants and nobody's ever really from here, but yet everyone kind of just adopts it as their own. I know I have. Um, so you don't see these types of things, right? It happened a couple years ago when we had the, the riots. And again, I don't talk about politics, but you know, Charlotte getting on the national news, it's just not something you really ever hear about. And yet we're the 17th largest city in the U S so we're 16th largest, something like that. So, I mean, we're a big city. And, and growing. And it'll growing. Be, it'll be top 10 in the next 15 years, probably. So we're going to have these things pop up. But in 99, I mean, gee, gee, we're a sleepy little town. I mean, we were barely on the map outside of people knew us from, you know, First Union and Bank of America. And that's about and it. And the Hornets. That was it. And the Hornets. And then they left. So, <laughs> you know, you know, so much for that. So I, I just want to get your opinion on that. But let's go back to the Panthers. Um I want to know, I want to get your opinion, because I know my opinion on it, uh, and it's probably why I have high blood pressure. What is it like, and we we have this nickname here in Charlotte uh, for the Panther fans, or not Panther fans, but for Pan the watching the Panthers, we call them the Cardiac Cats. I want to know your opinion on what it's like being a Panther fan. It's terrible, man. <laughs> it really is. I mean, ever ever since we've been going, I mean... We, we think we're going to be good. Like, on paper, we're going to be really, really good. And we should blow teams out from week to week. I mean, granted, there are definitely times that are close games or that we, we probably on paper should lose. But there are times on paper that we should we should beat, beat teams by two touchdowns. And it feels like we never win by two touchdowns. We make Every game we ever play in close. I mean, just for example, the last three weeks we have played within one score games and at the end of the game had a chance to win all three of them. Um, one of them we had, or both of our two of the last two weeks, I guess we had really no business being in those games down 17, nothing. And then all of a sudden we come back, um, last drive of the game with a chance to win one of them we win one of them we don't it yeah. is uh it is very again your high blood pressure is definitely from stuff like that you know they say sunday is the day of rest sunday is by far when the panthers are playing my most stressful day and like you said it's and it's not it's not this year it is every single year i've been a panther fan since 96 so in 1996 my parents said hey we're moving to charlotte it, it took us a couple of years to actually get here so in 96 i started following the panthers because i wasn't going to follow the patriots I, I grew up new york everything and, fuck the patriots yeah, i'm not well, i'm not gonna be a patriots fan ever my brothers are patriots fans and good for them for winning and having a dynasty but fuck that uh 96 became a panther fan and and every year it is the most stressful 16 weeks of my life um i don't know what it is i don't know if it's just the way we uh, approach our organization we have some awesome players you know i stand by cam i think he's a good quarterback he's our he's certainly our franchise quarterback there's nobody better on on our team and, and i do think the franchise quarterback thing is kind of thrown around a lot like don't get me wrong like i, I think cam is the right quarterback for our team, but not every team can have a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. I mean, there's not 30 of them that are out oh, there. I'd say there's seven. So, I mean, six. Even, even, if you say there's six or seven, I'm not sure Cam is in that six or seven for franchise. But again, I think Cam is the right quarterback for our team. Is he Is he a franchise quarterback? I mean, again, that is that is for everybody's interpretation. Um, I'd say in the way I, that I the NFL like is now, yeah, he is. I think anybody that's going to be a starting quarterback more than five years in a row for an organization, 
they're looking at them as a franchise quarterback. Okay, you're so, going to use that terminology, right? Exactly. So, so the franchise terminology is kind of thrown around loosely. Um, but if you're going to say anybody that's going to start for five plus years, then absolutely Cam is a franchise quarterback. I mean, you like I said, five to six. I say six to seven. Yeah, you're I mean, looking I mean, at anywhere from five to ten. I think you're you're looking at a fran- if you're saying that, then they're a franchise quarterback. Um, again, Cam, he's never going to be the most accurate guy. I mean, I know this year he's. He's having his most accurate season ever, but he's still like 20th to 25th and actually um, percentage passing, which is crazy because he's still completing like 65% of his pass. It's amazing how the NFL has changed over the last five well, to 10 and years. And we don't throw the ball downfield. So also true. You know, it's easy to just throw things out in the flat and, you know, Greg Olson's back now. So we're going to see a lot more of him catching the football again. Hopefully uh, he can run up the seam and catch a ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Season ticket holder, your parents are, right? My parents and my father-in-law. And your father-in-law. Yes. So you, you go and get to watch them a lot in person. Um, I want to just real quick, because of... Oh, he, oh, he just hit a Rich pitcher, Hill, Rich Hill just hit the pitcher. It's the third inning of the fourth game. You can't hit the pitcher. Come on, man. Uh, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> so being in the stadium a lot, and I remember it a lot, when the Panthers are good or bad, this is, and I'd say, I'd say, let's go back ten years. When the Panthers are good or bad, it didn't matter. End of third quarter, that stadium's getting empty because it was more of a social event to go and hang out at Panther Stadium than it was to actually go and watch football. See, I think it's changed a little bit. Okay, so I would say over the last four years, um, yeah, I mean, I think this happens at every stadium, but like. Any break there, everybody's going to the concessions and everybody is late coming back out to the stadium. But from my experience, uh, I've been to one game this year and I went with my son and we had a great time and it was loud and it was hot. I mean, we weren't even out there the whole time. It was so hot, but the game was still loud and it was a lot of fun. So everybody was still there, Into even the with the temperatures. Quarter? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Because I went to West Virginia, Tennessee at Panther Stadium this year, and the difference between, and there it's all different, right, because of the fans, but the difference between college versus pros, I mean, we stayed after the game and sang John Denver, Country Road. That's very cool. And the stadium still packed. Like, these fans just stick around, whereas I'm used to Panther games, End of the third quarter. All right. Well, we got to beat traffic. You know, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. So I, you know, I did my kind of networking today that I needed to, and I'm out of here. So, and again, I've been to plenty of games over the last couple of years, but somebody that goes a little more often than I do, um, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely changed a lot. Oh, what a play. Um, but, yeah, again, I mean, I know that's the old adage is that the Panthers fans are – uh, kind of the wine and cheese. I think that goes more to the Carolina Tar Heels football fans. Yeah, that's a jab at y'all. Um, but they're they're not that bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, the better we are, the more fans are going to stay in the stadium. If we're a bad team, then they're not going to be there after the third quarter. If we're a good team, then the stands are going to stay full and everybody's going to cheer everybody on. Yeah. All right. So let's switch gears here a little bit. I want to talk about. Um... I was going to talk about travel, but let's go into let, – let's stick with, you know, since we were talking about baseball and, and watching the game. Of all the places you've gone, what's your – and we'll, we'll knock this out real quick. It'll just be a couple of questions. What's your favorite stadium you visited? Baseball. So the favorite stadium. So I've, I haven't been to a whole lot, but I've been to, I've been to some really historic ones. Uh, I mean, I went to the Cubs, I went to Wrigley, I went to uh, Fenway, been to new new Yankee Stadium. Um, my favorite still, though, I don't know how or why, I thought Colorado was awesome. Um, Yankee Stadium was a lot of fun. We went this past year. Um, Fenway was awesome. Um, I thought it was really cool. I thought Wrigley was really dingy. Um, just so old. old. It smelled so bad the whole time. Um, a great experience, but I thought the stadium was just really outdated. I don't, I don't know how everybody so else feels about it. So favorite stadium was Rockies. Probably Rockies. I mean, 
the food, the booze, the atmosphere. I just thought it was the best that I've been to. The view, right? So yeah, it was they gorgeous. have an ordinance from the city that they cannot put stands to block Rocky Mountain National Park. So you can always see the Rocky Mountains when you go to Rocky Stadium, which I think is cool, I, which I've been there. Mine, you didn't ask, but I'm going to give you my opinion. Well, mine, well, Ryan, Ryan, which one is yours? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, mine is the Giants. I, I went there uh, 11 years ago for our honeymoon. We went to San Francisco, and I convinced my wife to go and see a Giants game. And just the atmosphere, the food, garlic fries out there, fantastic. The food, atmosphere, the setting in downtown, it's a cool stadium if anybody can get out there. And I've been to Seattle, Colorado, San Francisco. So I've been to a couple of the, the teams out west and then Wrigley as well, Fenway a handful of times growing up in Rhode Island. New Yankee, Old Yankee, Shea, Braves. So I've been to uh, more than my fair share. So, again, Colorado, great stadium. I like San Francisco, though. San Francisco tops it for me. Uh, I already know the answer to this, so I'm going to ask it. NL or AL? I'm going to go NL. I, I knew that. <laughs> I, want to, I want to know why. Why uh, are you going NL? I think they're deeper. I mean, I know AL, the, the top teams, might be better, but I think NL in general is deeper than the AL. I know. We've had this discussion. We, we had it a long time ago. 100%, we, but that's we fine. We disagreed the whole time, but I, I still think that the – the NL has is this this I mean we're we talking just this year. We're we talking. I'm just I'm just saying for you like if you're gonna if you're gonna sit here and look at Major League Baseball, what is your favorite? Oh NL division? without a NL, doubt. Yeah. I like I like to watch uh, pitchers hit. I mean, that's that's my thing. I mean, I was a pitcher and I was in high school. I was a hitter and I was a darn good hitter. So that's that's what I like to see. Um, the AL. I mean I I mean again it's. You get more home runs most of the time. The pitching is not as good, in my opinion. I think the pitching is better in the NL. Um, so I I like pitching. I'm gonna side with that every time. For for anyone that's not a baseball fan, you just turn them off completely by <laughs> picking the NL. I'm gonna tell you that. Well, that's because fine. People, anybody that wants to get into baseball, you watch the NL and you watch games that are two to one. It's like watching soccer for the first time if you're not really into it. I d completely disagree. I don't like soccer. And watching 0-0 zero, zero games. And then anybody that's a big soccer fan going, oh, it was a good game. They did this. They did that. And, and you know, the novice is going to sit there and be like, that was absolutely atrocious. It was 0-0. Zero, <laughs> zero. Um, you know, I know we talked about it too, but I'm going to keep on bringing it up. Uh, you know, things that we've, we've spoken about before we got on air here. Tiger and Phil. It's one month away. One, are you gonna watch it? Two, who are you gonna pick? So I got I got Tiger all the way. I think I think Phil is just outclassed at this point in his career. Um, if if it was on cable, I would absolutely watch it. Um, but since I read it was twenty dollars on pay per view, I'm probably not gonna pay that price um, unless for some reason somebody decides as a group, hey. I'm going to put pick this up. We'll watch it. Okay, I'll go over there and watch it, but I'm not going to pay $20 to watch it at my house when my kids and my wife are kind of interrupting me the whole time. There's no point in doing that. I, I will say, though, you are going to get more bang for your buck than any other pay-per-view sporting event that you could pay for because you could pay $100 to watch a boxing match, and that could be done in the first 30 seconds. Same thing with the UFC. Um, so at least for 20 bucks, you get to watch possibly – three hours of golf depending on how that match goes well even i also read this the other day is they're actually going to be doing side bets throughout the whole <laughs> the whole event and what is the winner gets 10 mil the winner gets 10 mil but they're also doing side bets so anytime i from this is my from my reading of it i yeah. think like hey i have 80 yards out you have 90 yards out closest to the pin gets 10 grand or something like that is what i'm thinking is they're going to be doing as well which would be really really cool to see and to experience um i really don't like that it's not live it's all recorded which really kind of stings it's um, all recorded, yeah it's all recorded because there are actually no fans that are going to be there i also so yeah there are no fans so it's just gonna be them on the course with i guess their caddies and the tv cameras which is kind of weird but Whatever. I mean, again, if if somebody else is paying for it or if I got to throw in five bucks for it or something and go to their house and watch it, I would absolutely do it. But if I'm going to watch it at my house, just me and my kids, I'm probably not going to watch it. All right. All right. So we're, we're talking golf. 
so let's get into it because I brought it up last last episode about golf trips and things that we do as friends. Let's. I want to talk about the golf trips that we've gone on. What What is your favorite part of the golf trip of where we get eight, 12, 16 guys to go? And what 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 is something that you mem you enjoy on those golf trips? What's your favorite part of it? For me, being an athlete, it's just the competition. I mean, we you. You don't get much competition once you actually start playing, stop playing uh, organized sports. I mean, we play softball, but that's we we have more fun with that than we do any competition. Um, but golf, it is it's you against the person you're going against most of the time, and you have to beat that person, whether or not you get the strokes or not. Like we're all, I mean, you and I are athletic people. We like to win, um, so. That's just what I like to do. I saw your face light up watching that. Rich just broke his ankle (laughs) running across the back on a butt. Uh, um, But, yeah, I I think uh, just the competition. Oh, geez, I just saw it, too. That's terrible. That, that, if you are watching um, and you remember the play where Rich Hill almost breaks his ankle, most pitchers are not that unathletic. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. They're good golfers, though. (laughs) That's true. Which is what we're talking about. So, competition. Yeah. and we've been on a handful of trips, right? So we've done a couple courses here in the mountains of North Carolina. We've gone out to the beach uh, a lot, which is nice to where we live, right? We can get to the beach in Charlotte in three hours. We can get in the mountains in an hour and a half, two hours. So we're right there in the middle, and we get out to Pinehurst in about two hours as well. So we have a lot of golf uh, within our reach in all different types of aspects of it. So of all the trips that you've gone on, what was your favorite golf trip? What was your favorite course? Let's narrow that down. That's tough. I mean, most of the courses we've been at have been really nice. Um, it's probably still got to be Mount Mitchell. I mean, I know we play it every fall. Yeah. Uh, it's somewhere we go every year. But the course is always so so clean and in great condition. Um, every other course that we go to, um, it could be hit or miss. Um, we've been to some courses that are great and some courses that are not so great. So I think just the consistency of Mount Mitchell kind of makes it my favorite. Okay. That's fair. I really like the beach. Um, Oh, I love the beach. Not because I put the trip on. I don't put the fall trip on. Uh, I'm I'm going to throw this out real quick. I think this, uh, the spring trip that we're going to go on might take the cake. We'll see. Uh, but I do like I like the big cats that we played, and I liked Leopard Chase the best, the Sunday course. It remind it was a tough course, and it reminded me a lot of what you would kind of see down at like a Kiowa. Uh, it was just like a true beach course, even though it wasn't right on the ocean. Um, but it it was it was a pretty sweet course. Um, we'll stick with golf, and then we'll close out here in the next couple questions. What? Outside of competition, what is it that you enjoy about golf? Um, golf is uh, such a tough game that, I mean, it's really, really hard. That is one of the things that I really, really like about it is you have to concentrate for every shot. And if you just don't focus for one shot, it'll cost you two to three strokes. So just, again, when it comes to competition, golf is, for me, one of the the ultimate competitions is because you're playing against the other person, but you're also playing against yourself. And if you just don't focus, then you, you're you screwed. So I heard a quote the other day, and it was it was great. It was from my, my guy, Eric Anders Lang, uh, he had a video on, he was playing Liberty up in uh, New York, New Jersey, really. And it was, what's great about golf is that no matter how good you are, you can always be better. Like it's true. think about like tiger at his peak was never sitting there getting complacent going, I'm the best. I don't need to worry about anything. He was always trying to get better. And I think that's, you know, one of the sports that you can always try and get better at. You can be a scratch golfer and want to get better. You can be a pro golfer and always want to try and get better. You can be a golfer like us, you know, a 12, 13, 14 handicap 
and want to get better and continuously want to get better. Or you can sit back and enjoy what you've accomplished as a golfer. And there's really no pressure on you after that. It's, Hey, I want to go out and enjoy it. I know what I can go out and score. And if I do it, I think that's great. Yeah. I I don't think I'll ever get to that point to be, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy shooting a 92 or an 88. Like once I shoot an 82, I'm like, Oh, I want to shoot an 80 now. Yeah. You should do that every time. Yeah, exactly. Like you hit, you hit, 10 good shots in a row you're like why am i not doing this every time it's that is that is one of the fun and most frustrating things about golf is you can do it but it is so hard to do every time all right let's finish with um we talk about golf the trips we've gone on you like to travel what what do you like about travel so for me outside of the obvious right like oh i get to see a new place so for me travel and golf don't really go together for me i like to see new places um i love the beach um and it doesn't have to be that i spend eight hours a day on the beach i just love the view of the ocean um whether it be from a mountain from a uh from a resort whatever it is uh the beach is where i want to be for the most part with a drink in my hand um, my wife and I, we, uh, we love going to different places, uh, drinking, hanging out, just being together. It's, uh, that's one of the things I love the, the sand, the view of the blue ocean. Um, it never gets old. So, I mean, I think you answered my next question would have been favorite place to go, but you, you, you said it, you want to go to a beach. Yeah. I, I want to go anywhere where there is a beautiful view. <laughs> Um, free drinks. That's nice too. I mean, nothing's ever free, but I if say, I pay for it, bef- pay for them. if I pay for it beforehand, that's always, that's always a plus. Um, but yeah, a beach, if I had a choice to go somewhere, that's where I want to go. All right. So when you travel, what is name one thing that drives you crazy? <sighs> um, getting there getting there yeah i so don't the anticipation well not necessarily that uh depending on who you're traveling with whether it be with kids or with other people they, i mean everybody has different expectations when it comes to uh doing things when it comes to travel when you are traveling with kids it is a stressful situation you have to make oh, sure it's awful. I can't <laughs> they have everything right. packed you have to make sure they're behaved throughout the airport Everybody gets through customs and security and all that. That is not fun. You know what drives me nuts is, and I and I travel a lot for work and for for pleasure as well. Is the and travel is is stressful. We've made it more stressful as just a society. But the people that just are so oblivious to everything that's going on around them, like I can't stand. I'm walking in the middle of a walkway and someone just stops, throws their luggage up, and just starts looking around like. They don't know what the hell's going on. Like, you stop right in front of somebody like that. Like, you're lucky I'm not going to run your ass over. Like, it drives me insane. Like, how people are just so, they just lose all consciousness of what's truly going on around them. Yeah, I mean, that that is not just uh, siloed into travel. That is everybody everywhere. Um, driving is the, the biggest thing with that. Just on my way over here. Somebody stopped in the middle of a traffic circle. They just don't know how to go through a traffic circle. They just stopped when they were already in it. It's people just are oblivious to a lot of things these days. All right, but there's there's no argument here. All right, so I, I try and keep it within sixty minutes. Um, I do have one more question, and, and then we'll wrap up. So we're both here in Charlotte, and again, last week I mentioned how I was going to Old Mac to to have a couple beers with the in laws, my friend Preston. And Zan was working. Zan, I do want to make sure I put a shout out to you. I know you did not uh, appreciate me not letting the the listeners know that you were at Blackfin and then at Old Mac. So I do apologize. So Zan was there at both of those locations if you listened to last week's episode. Uh, so here for Charlotte, what's your favorite Charlotte beer? And they don't have to go together. Charlotte Beer and Charlotte Brewery. All right. So... Um... Absolutely, my favorite brewery is uh, is Old Mech. And I did not pay him to say that, by the way. No, absolutely not. And my favorite beer, though, actually comes from Birdsong 
and it is higher ground. Um, they do not no, bottle it. Their staple IPA. Yeah, they do not bottle it though, which is so frustrating. So anytime I want it, I either gotta go there and get a a growler, get a a drink from it, or a restaurant. So it is very frustrating not having that bottled or canned in my refrigerator. And we don't live near Birdsong, so no, not even close. Yeah, no. So it's a good thirty minute drive into basically downtown. Thirty five, forty minute drive into downtown. 30 minutes maybe from your house. Yeah, just straight up independent. Yeah, it's about 45 minutes from me. Um, yeah, I think we covered everything. Any questions for me? No, I think uh, I think we went through everything together pretty much. Okay. Um, well, I appreciate everybody listening. And Matt, I appreciate your time. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to finish up here. And there's no other questions. Uh, we got our two cents worth, I think. Yeah, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. I can't wait till the next time. Yep. All right, everybody, thank you. And uh, if you have any questions, obviously hit me up on the Instagram or even my uh, email, two cents worth podcast at gmail.com. Send me any questions. If anybody wants to be on the show, we can uh, certainly look through those as well. If you have an interesting story, anything you want to talk about. So, again, appreciate my guest, Matt Chastain, and we will uh, we'll be back live again next week. Thank you.